I remember being a young bishop and having a member of my ward tell me they don't believe as they used to, and they have begun to question their faith. The hardest part of these scenarios was that it felt like they were looking to me for answers, when in reality, they were coming to me looking for support and hope. These leadership scenarios can quickly remind you how unprepared you might be to minister to individuals or loved ones in your life who've begun to question their faith. This is why Leading Saints created the Questioning Saints Library, where we interviewed over 20 experts with the intent to better understand how we can help individuals who are starting to question their faith. For all the details on how you can access the Questioning Saints Library, text the word LEAD to 474747 or visit leadingsaints.org slash questioning. Again, text the word LEAD to 474747 or visit leadingsaints.org slash questioning. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Leading Saints podcast. My name is Kurt Frankham, your host. And if you're new to Leading Saints, we are a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Latter day Saints be better prepared to lead. So check out our podcast archive, check out our website at leadingsaints.org. We have a weekly newsletter, we do live events, we do streaming events, uh, we do group trips to Disneyland. Okay, that's a lie. We do not do group trips to Disneyland, especially right now. Anyways, you're going to love this segment of the How I Lead segment. Now, what is a How I Lead segment, you ask? Every month, typically the first Wednesday of every month, we put together a How I Lead segment where we find two individuals who have served in a specific calling and ask them simply, how is it that you lead? And this month, we are focusing on the calling of Stake Young Women's President. Now, one of the individuals, actually the first counselor in the Stake Young Women's President, but nonetheless has experience as a ward Young Women's President, both of them do, and they turn into phenomenal discussions. The first you'll hear from is Carrie Miller. When I had the opportunity to go up to Boise, Idaho, I was in town and reached out to some connections there and said, I need some people to interview. And Carrie Miller raised to the top of my list as people recommended uh, her experience and perspective when it comes to serving as the stake young women's president. She's got some great tips and perspectives. And Rochelle Sorensen, who uh, I've connected with through the Leading Saints Helpers group on Facebook. If you are not in that helpers group, I encourage you to check it out, ask a question and engage in more content there. Uh, but Rochelle has served as a ward Young Women's President, and she's the first counselor in her stake, Young Women's President. Uh, has some great experience, has done a lot of research and writing about leading and teaching youth and also helping youth be leaders themselves. So really just a powerful voice uh, in this realm, and I'm grateful that we were able to interview her. So here's my interview with Carrie Miller and Rochelle Sorensen. Today I'm in uh, Boise. This is Boise proper, right? Yeah. We're in. Okay. With Carrie Miller. How are you, Carrie? Great. Awesome. Now you are uh, currently the stake young women's president in, in the stake here. Yes. And how's that going? I love it. <laughs> and it's a, would you say it's, uh, how long did you say you've been in the, the calling? Not very long, probably about nine months. Mm -hmm. But you had experience before this in the presidency. Right. Yes. I served several years ago in the stake and women's presidency as a counselor. Nice. So how would you describe the demographic of the stake or, I mean, a pretty typical suburb of Boise? Or, right. Yeah. The stake is not huge as far as area goes. Mm -hmm. In Boise, we have quite a few members. And so it, it takes in about a four mile radius and it's a great little area. Yeah. It's, I think some areas in Boise have more saints than others. Mm -hmm. 
And ours is more populated with yeah. saints in this area. Nice. And you, I mean, have you had a lot of experience working with youth that built up to this experience of, of being the young, young women's president of the state? I feel like I've been with the youth my whole adult life. Oh, yeah. To be honest, I was with the youth. We lived in Seattle for a while. The whole time that we lived in Seattle, I was in the Young Women's Presidency there. And I've been an advisor. I was the Young Women's President for several years in our stake now that I live in. Mm -hmm. and, and then I was in the Stake Young Women's Presidency. I was trying to calculate at one point in time. I should have calculated again before we started talking. But I think... I'm upwards to 16 years of serving with the youth. Wow. Yeah. Great. Well, that's some good experience. Right. I Apparently, I love the youth. Good. Well, and hopefully it'll, it keeps going, right? Right. Nice. That's great. So um, what do you, as far as the like coming into this calling, uh, this is the state game when was president, you, you were in the presidency before. What do you remember about the that transition or just getting some momentum and, and, and getting going? To be the young woman's yeah. president now? Mm -hmm. Well, I I think I was super excited, to be honest. I love the youth. I had felt like I was supposed to be with the youth. It was funny. Right before I was called, I was in the primary presidency, and I had told my husband how much I loved the primary and how much I loved the kids there. And I said, but I just feel like I'm missing the youth. Like I feel like my niche is with the youth. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even a week later I got a phone call and I met with the stake presidency member that was over me and I was called to be the stake and women's president. And my husband and I laughed and joked a little bit about how the Lord was inspiring and <laughs> guiding me and preparing me for that. But just initially, I felt excitement. I have always just loved the youth and felt like that's where my heart was. And not that I don't love other callings as yeah. well, but... I, I just was excited. Yeah, really excited to be there. That's cool. Do you, as far as like picking counselors, sometimes on the stake level, that can be more difficult because it's you know you're right. looking through the whole stake, not just your award. So, what do you remember from that process? That was awesome. Yeah, I truly have a testimony that the Lord guides us and directs us when we seek Him, and when it's His work, His hand is there. I knew right away one of my counselors. I was sitting in being called to the calling and I just said her name out loud. I turned to my husband and I said, I think she's going to be a counselor. Mm -hmm. And it still felt right. I prayed about her just like I prayed about everyone else, but she was just right there. And then I didn't have a long time frame. They said they would like it within a week. Mm -hmm. And so they gave me a list and it was 10 pages long of women. <laughs> in our stake uh -huh. that I could call. And it was single spaced. It wasn't like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it was a lot. And so initially I just sat down and I said a prayer and I asked Heavenly Father to help me fill any feeling. And if I felt a feeling that I'd write their name down. Mm -hmm. And so of course I went through the whole list and initially I had still a pretty big chunk of women that I was praying about. And so I had that women, that list of women and I just continued praying throughout the day. And as I pray throughout the day, I look at the list again. And again, anyone that I felt anything towards, I would mark mm -hmm. a, a mark next to their name. So this went on. And it was really, actually for me, it was a quick process. 
the stake presidency member that was over me asked me to counsel with my husband. And I love going on walks. And that night, we went on a walk. And he said, well, how about we start looking at some of these women that you're thinking about? Let's look at their family demographics. Let's let's just discuss and see if any more of the spirit will come out. And so that's what we did. We went on a walk and we discussed. And a lot of the women I had chosen, surprisingly, already had big callings in their wards. And my husband said, you're not going to get these women. <laughs> He's like... <laughs> I, I I mean, I have no idea how you have these women on your list, but you're not going to be able to get these women. And so I said, well, I'm just going to keep praying. But we did. We discussed each of those. And it was just kind of a neat experience. That night, I was asleep, totally dead asleep. And it was four o'clock in the morning. And I woke up and I had the strongest impression that I needed to check a particular ward. And Specifically, I needed to check the primary presidency in Mm. that ward. And so I did. And one of the sisters that I felt super strong about was the sister that I had been talking to my husband about previously. She happened to be the primary president of that ward. And her name was just like lightning. Like it was, Mm -hmm. no, she really should, should be in there. And so I wrote her name down and I knew right then and there, my two counselors, like I didn't have to go any further. It was just so profound Mm -hmm. and amazing to me. It was four o'clock in the morning. I was (laughs) totally asleep and I had to get my phone out and check a certain ward. So that was kind of a neat experience for me. Yeah, that's great. And I I love that how you go through the details of that because there's a lot of inspiration in there, but there's a lot of work too, right? Right. You didn't just look at the list and two names highlighted and you moved on with your name. No, (laughs) no, it was a lot of work, a lot of prayer, but I felt completely guided. And as I look at my leaders, I know that they're supposed to be here with me. Uh It's just amazing. How that works. Yeah. So uh, a more practical question before we get into some of the leadership principles uh, that that you noted here. Um, Any like apps or strategies or approaches just as far as the administration of the calling? uh, Do you guys text a lot? Do you you use other things? I mean, how do you carry out your your call? How do we work? Well, I was actually going to tell you about some of that in my communication thought process. We'll we'll make it a hybrid here. Right, (laughs) right. Right at the beginning, I don't even know who said it, but I started using Marco Polo uh-huh. with my presidency to help us to be more succinct in our actual presidency meetings. We could discuss. I mean, Marco Polo is definitely, you you can't really get into a discussion like you do in a face-to-face discussion. Right. But you can lay out the issues on the line. This is what we're going to be discussing. Kind of think about this. If you have any thoughts, I'll write them down. And when we get to our presidency meeting, we can all have had thought about this, talked a little bit about it, surface talking for sure. And then it seemed to make our presidency meetings go quicker. We were already all on the same page in what we needed to discuss. I have really actually appreciated Marco Polo. Cool. So maybe explain if someone's not heard of I, my wife and I and our family use it all the time, but if, okay. if they weren't familiar with it, they're <laughs> thinking, is who is Marco this brother Polo, Polo in the state? Right. <laughs> I'm like, can I even say that I use Marco Polo? I really do. Yeah. Uh, it's a video app where you can have a group of people 
and you video yourself talking and and then someone can respond. Mm-hmm. They can video. It's not it's not something that you can do simultaneously. It's something that you video and when you're done you push stop and then the next person can mm-hmm. respond at that point in time. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's like a it's really like a group text. Right. A video text, right? Right. A video text. That's the perfect way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. But instead of text, it's video. And it makes it make it really slick. And they see your reflection, your emotion. Sometimes with text messaging, I mean, we use text messaging too, obviously, but text messaging is always hard to tell. What is their emotion behind that? Like, are they happy? The tone. Are they, what's their tone? And 99.9%, I've never, none of my leaders have ever been negative. So you can assume that. Yeah. They're positive, but I like how Marco Polo yeah. allows for so that. It's more real, right? right. It's yeah. real, and I love how you used to say that it's sort of a build up to the actual meeting. You don't don't right. expect like in depth inspirational revelation just through Marco Polo. You right, know, there's a time and a place for that as well. Right, so. it's it's mostly just to help us be on the same mm-hmm. page and be aware of information. Sometimes there's just those dead ends that you have to talk about those needed yeah. things, and it just helps in hey, so you're all on the same page and you know what's going on. This is where we're at. Yeah, awesome. That's great. And that, so that leads into your your first principle uh, of communication is key. So obviously having right. apps and things that uh, help with communication. What right. else about communication? I think communication is always the big point of any calling that you're in. You have to be able to communicate with the people you work with. And if you're not getting that information out, no matter how good you're doing in your calling, you're just spinning your wheels mm-hmm. because- People need to know what's going on. And so I kind of thought about this a little bit and thought communication kind of comes threefold. For me and my calling, it comes threefold. Communication with my counselors. And we kind of already talked about how we use Marco Polo and then we meet together as a presidency and that works Mm -hmm. quite well. Also with the presidents, we're over these young women presidents. They're super busy they have a lot going on in their lives. And so we try to communicate as succinctly as possible hmm. so that they can get the information that they need and they know what's going on. And then we're all on the same team because hmm. they know, we know. It's just so much, it's, it's just so important for yeah. them to be aware. So some things that I found that has helped with the communication with the presidents is We do a bullet point text. When there's an important email that's going to go out, we do a bullet point text. Hey, just so you're aware, there's an email that's going to come and it's going to talk about these things. And I try to make it pretty concise, really informative in such a way that the more information will be found in the email. And so then my secretary, she's fabulous. She will send the information through email, but she'll give more details. But that gives them the opportunity, hey, I know I need to check this. I think sometimes when we're going through our email, it's easy to scroll and not realize that we're missing something. But when I send a text and tell them, here are the details, they seem to be able to key in and say, oh, I'm going to be looking for an email because it's coming and I've already told them it's and you, coming. And you summarize the points of right. what's in the email. But really succinctly, like uh-huh. it's bullet points. Yeah, yeah. Hey, this is coming. Be watching for yeah. it. it. And definitely... if there's like something they need to know or they need to get to me, I'll, I'll put that in the email. Be yeah. aware of this. I'll need that information. I think that's a great tip because I hear a lot just sort of the frustration that can happen, you know, in, in these church callings that man, I send out these emails and they don't respond. Are they even opening them, reading them? You know, I, 
you know, and so it can be very frustrating. And right. so this is a great tactic to in, push them towards looking into what the email has to say. Right. right. I feel like it helps. I really do. Yeah. I feel like just giving the two methods, they're going to get two levels mm-hmm. on the most important things. That's cool. So that works. We also try to create a calendar in the fall. I'm sure a lot of stakes do this. We have to have our calendar done quite early mm-hmm. in the fall. But then my secretary has that calendar going the whole time. And as a stake, we try not to change it at all. Mm-hmm. Once it's been right. set, it's set. Mm-hmm. With this year and quarantine, we are changing it like crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not the plan. Right, <laughs> it's right. not. We've had a couple of youth activities that we have just simply had to postpone. And the leaders are great though. They're right there with us. We're all in it together, yeah. you know, but for the most part, we try not to change our calendar at all so that the leaders, the presidents can then see our calendar at the beginning of the year and be able to plan mm-hmm. and that we don't take away from what they need to do with their sacred work with these youth. Yeah. And, and you obviously get that, those things set really early so because right. they still need time to plan. As right. Well, right. Right. Yeah. So that also helps, I think, in communication. And then whenever my secretary sends out those more detailed emails, she always attaches the calendar every single time Hmm. and just pinpoints at the very end, hey, just so you're aware, remember these things are coming up on our calendar because it's so easy to have a calendar and then you get in the thick of the year and it's so easy to miss something. And so there's that reminder that's coming through yeah. With every email that we send. With these emails that go out, is this something that like every month on a certain day, you know, you're sending out a, an email or is it just when there's information piles up and you need to send it? Right. Usually our emails go out. We don't have a set time. It's usually when there's information and it ebbs and flows. It mm-hmm. depends on the time of the year. With ward conferences, there was more information coming as to what our schedule was, those types of things. But really it does ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. and and so I don't have a set. Yeah. Just whenever you feel like, yeah. you know, you should probably put in, it's time for an email. Right. right? When things are coming up, yeah. uh, if it's small details and I don't need a full email, I do use text messaging hmm. and yeah. just give a, Hey, just so you're aware this piece of information is for you. Yeah. And I, I will communicate with text messaging that way. And is it a basic just group text or do you use an app for? Right. I use group text. Yeah, we talked about doing Marco Polo with all eight presidents, Uh and we thought that might be a little overwhelming (laughs) of everyone on there. And what if they don't get on? Then we don't know if they're getting information. We just felt like text messaging. And I would imagine like every ward just has their their personality or their their issues, and so sometimes you know you don't want one ward bringing up an issue that really isn't right applicable to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else about communication? Anything we're missing? Well, I think the other thought that I had with the presidents is I have tried to check in at random and I, I don't have a set thing. Mm-hmm. Like with the emails, I don't have a set thing, but I do try monthly to check in individually. So they do have that group text. Hey, here's the information. But I want the young women's presidents to feel like that they have a relationship with us as a stake. Mm-hmm. Because if they have that relationship then they will come to us with their needs. I want to be there for them. We as a presidency want to be there for them. And so that's kind of big. And so we've just brainstormed ways. One of the thoughts that I had right at the beginning is, hey, what helps me to feel like 
I can communicate with someone and it's when that person is available to me. And so I guess I've just tried to be available and send them a message every once in a while. And sincerely, I I think about it. How are they doing? What can I do for them? And I think about different things they've communicated with me in the past. And I've tried to key in on that and show appreciation and then ask them, how's this going? Is there anything else that you might need or whatever it is? Yeah. We've also offered anything that they feel that they might need. We've offered several times. Let us know that blanket statement. If there's anything we can do, (laughs) we try not to make it a blanket statement. Like we literally give them a list. Hey, if you need us to write a letter to anyone in your young women's, if you need us to reach out, if there's just one more level. When I was, I mean, how many years ago was it? I mean, regardless, it doesn't matter. But my two grandparents passed away right about the same time. And the stake over us at the time sent us a letter. And already our bishop had reached out and was fabulous. But we got a letter from the stake. And for some reason, that extra letter of, hey, we really love you and we're sorry to hear about your loss was just so profound to me. Uh And so we've tried to communicate to our young women's presidents, hey, if you have a girl that might just need an extra, hey, whether it's excitement, we're so excited for you. You just did this amazing thing. Way to go. Or, hey, I'm so sorry about what's... And and so we write those cards Mm -hmm. and we ask the young women's presidents, let us know. And they're our line of communication. So I want to drill into the details of that. So this is typically maybe in your, when you send out an email, maybe at the end, you'll give some prompts or ideas of ways that you could help them. Well, we actually have done that in our training. We have two training, two trainings Mm -hmm. each year. And so our first training, we discussed it. And then we had, and that kind of goes into how to help the presidents be successful. Mm -hmm. But we had a president's lunch and we talked a little bit about that too. And we told them, Hey, the sky's the limit. If you think of something that we haven't brainstormed that you could use us for, by all means, let us know because we're there. So you do these like two trainings a year. Is that right? So we have an October training and we have a training that actually just passed. We did it in May and we did it over zoom. Okay. So I want to definitely get into that, but uh, so uh, with this idea, you um, is it like in a letter form or on a piece of paper? And here's a list of ideas of ways we can help you, or do you just sort of say it? We just offer it, yeah. But I like that. (laughs) We should add that. (laughs) Hey, remember? (laughs) Make sure I'm capturing your the genius here of this idea. No, I like it. So I like that that um, you give some prompts or ideas of saying, right, this is how we can help you. Because a lot of times I would imagine, especially on the stake level, I remember this as a bishop where some of my, you know, organizational leaders would come to me and they'd be like, what's the deal with the stake? Like, you right. know, the young woman's friends, like, what am I supposed to do with these people? They just like show up and I don't know what to say to them. And, you know, and so mm-hmm. by giving them some ideas, because really they don't know what to ask or how you're supposed to help. Right. And, right. And you can, uh, that helps give them ideas. Right? Absolutely. I think it helped to be a young woman's president previous to this calling mm-hmm. because I was able to think back what would have been helpful to my girls mm-hmm. and what would have been helpful to me as a young woman's president. 
Yeah. And so that's been kind of key, yeah. I think. And I'm, I'm thinking on that side of things, um, there may be a, a ward young women's president who's maybe lost or not sure how they're supposed to use the stake. But imagine just calling them up or sending them an email saying, how are you supposed to help me? Because I'd love to, right. uh, you know. I'd love to utilize you. Yeah, but what, <laughs> I, what do you do again? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For so, sure. Uh, that's great. So uh, let's go now. This were your your principles here just blend together perfectly. Um, so the next one you talk about is helping presidency, your ward presidents, or young women's presidents be successful. And so right. you've talked about some things, but so this training you do, uh, th that's not a handbook thing, right? It's not like. Well, actually, the handbook does say that you should have a training at least once a year. Okay. And if it's feasible. You can have two. Oh, and nice. so we went with so you push the limit. There. We <laughs> went with two. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> so, and so any, tell, break it down as far as the, the idea behind it, as far as your approach. So you'd have a breakfast you say, or no, well, actually that's totally separate. Okay. That's a totally separate idea. The You're disguising lunch, a third one. I'm okay, sorry. Is, <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Okay. So we do have a training and the trainings really just boil down to what we fill the wards need at the time. It comes down to inspiration. So there's no set in stone. This is what the training is going to be on. Mm -hmm. It's what do we feel? We really pray about it and discuss it. That's one thing that we talk about in our presidency meetings. Mm -hmm. What is it that the wards are needing right now? And so we try to offer them support and we really study and look at different things that the church has put out so that they can have that information and also get some training mm -hmm. on whatever they might need. So during that time period, and even throughout the year, I'm on the LDS website trying to find new information that would be helpful to our, our leaders. And so I just try to make sure that in those trainings, they get that information. And also if there's things that are really important in the meantime, that before my next training, then I make sure that they know and are aware. Like when the Gospel Living app came out, that was a text that they got. Hey, today the Gospel Living app came out. Mm -hmm. So we just try to be on top of that and also being aware of what they might need. And that's kind of what goes on in yeah. the trainings. Now, I love that just taking as as a stake, you know, organizational leader, like taking the role of making sure they're aware of just the new resources that the right. church in general is putting out. Because sometimes that can be overwhelming. or It can be. Or it's like, man, I haven't even been on that site for a year and I've been in this calling, you know. And so right. it's hard to sort of keep up when you're trying to, you know, connect with the youth. And, right. and so the stake, that's a great role for the stake to take on. Right? Yeah. I, awesome. I felt like that that would be helpful for both of us to be kind of mm -hmm. aware of what's going on. The president's lunch was a little bit different. I had actually gleaned this idea from a friend who her stake young women's president when she was young women's president. Okay. Did, did you follow that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what her <laughs> stake young women's president did. And we have done one since I'm kind of new to this calling still. We have done one and it was fabulous. Mm -hmm. It was so amazing. We had the young women presidents. We asked all the presidents to come and if they couldn't come to send a counselor. And we asked them, we gave them a question to come with an idea. So what was your favorite activity you did? And we also asked them this last time, how are your class presidencies working? and any advice that you can offer. And so... So let me understand the the context of this. So do you invite them over to your house? Is right. It the church? Or it's, so it's here in your it home? It was at my house. Yes, okay. it was here. And we, you make some breakfast? Well, some type? it was a lunch. So oh, we lunch. had I'm sorry. Lunch. We had soup and 
rolls, breadsticks, okay. you know, just a casual yeah. middle of the day lunch. And then and, everybody comes over, you get some food and then. Right. They all were sitting around the table and we got some food. And I started, I started actually the meeting before we got some food with a spiritual thought mm-hmm. and just the direction of the meeting and why we chose those two questions. Again, it came down to thought and prayer. Mm-hmm. What is it that would be helpful to our leaders? And so I kind of introduced why we were inspired for those two questions. And then we all sat down and I just started the meeting with the first person next to me and said, we're going to let you take the floor and tell us what you thought and what you would like to share. And some of them didn't have something on that topic. And we said at the beginning, if you don't have something to share on that topic, that's great because this is where we're going to collaborate and help you. So don't worry, share what you feel like you can and we'll we'll collaborate together. At the end, I felt like it was such an amazing experience. Everybody was able to discuss. It helped the leader see that sometimes I think we feel as young women's presidents that we're alone. Like, am I the only one struggling with my girls doing X, Y, Z? And having them being able to talk. And we did it in such a positive light. It wasn't, hey, what's not working? It was what is working. Yeah. And talking about what is working helped them see, oh, for some reason, it made them feel that connection of, I'm not the only one that is working on this. And that idea can help me. And and so each time you do one of these uh, lunches, like you take one specific question, like class presencies, let's talk about that. Or it might be uh, Sunday lessons or whatever it is and and say what's working and let's share it and go around the room. Right. And And we just eat lunch and chat. And the whole time we talked about that topic and I had several young women's presidents when they left say, this was so helpful. This is exactly what we needed. It's not necessarily like a training where a state presidency member is going to, you know, right. Train you on something. You're just talking and you're just talking and you may feel trained, but it's not, it's not. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think a big component to that, that we as a presidency loved was that we got an opportunity to get to know our young women leaders better and they got to know us a little better. And that's part of our calling is to be able to know each other, trust each other, help each other. And part of the problem on a stake level sometimes is being able to find those opportunities to be able to do that. Yeah. And so that was really awesome with the president's lunch. Uh, is it typically on a Saturday? No, we actually did it on a Thursday okay. in the middle of the day. So there were two young women's presidents, actually, no, just one, who worked mm-hmm. and sent their counselor instead. Oh, okay. And so, you know, you just Saturday, find a time that, we, yeah, you know, we just chose Saturdays are sacred, right? <laughs> Saturdays, sometimes we, we kind of tried to fill out what would be better for our group. I think it would be different depending on your stake. Yeah. But the and majority could do a Thursday. Do they typically last an hour or so? Or yeah, so well, longer? really, I didn't have a time frame to it. Uh-huh. I just, I, I didn't want them to take too much of the time that was sacred for them also. Yeah. I let them know, if you have to leave, it's okay to leave. But everybody, we finished our lunch. It, it took about an hour, an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. We finished our lunch. And as soon as everyone had shared, it kind of, the conversation just dwindled and yeah. and that was it. Yeah. Nice. And then did you say how often you do these? We have it on our calendar to do it twice a year. Oh, okay. So, so. sort of, uh, you know, you do the official training twice a year right. and then these lunches. A collaborative lunch. So every quarter you're doing right. something. Right. Awesome. Oh, cool. Yeah. 
Love it. Awesome. Um, the next principle you, you uh, put down here is uh, trusting your counselors. Trusting counselors. Trusting counselors. And uh, we'll wrap up on this one. So elaborate on on trusting counselors. Trusting my counselors. Well, right at the get-go, we discussed how we could be a dynamic presidency and what we could do to be able to follow inspiration and do exactly what the Lord would want us to do. We studied a talk by Elder Iring called Rise to Your Call, Mm. and he counseled a lot about relying on Heavenly Father. We also referred to a book by Elder Ballard called Counseling with Your Counsels. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we talked about was that we needed to feel good, no matter what the decision was, that we needed to feel good about it as a whole. And I know that there are times when the president just has to make a call But there's also times when the president doesn't have to make a call yet that we need to discuss until the spirit is there and we're ready to make a decision. And we've had that a couple of times. And I've really just enjoyed that process of trusting my counselors. One of those, for example, we, I felt really strongly during this time of quarantine that we as a young women's presidency needed to be doing something for our stake. But I didn't know what that was. And there were some ideas that were being thrown at me. And every time we discussed it, I didn't necessarily feel like that that idea was right for our stake in women's. One idea was that we should hold game nights for our leaders and let them come join in on Zoom. And for us, that's a great idea. Anyone who wants to do that, fabulous. But the discussion kept coming to, are we taking over their calling if we do that? Mm. And that's just an example. But we kept talking and discussing and we didn't move on until it felt right. And really what it boiled down to, we decided to utilize, just like we've been telling our young women's presidents, utilize your youth council. We have a youth council. So we put a meeting together with our Zoom and asked our youth council, what is it that you need? What is it that your wards need? Mm -hmm. And how can you and your calling fulfill that? And so we let the youth make that decision, but that's, it all came together with us counseling as a counselor, as counselors and presidency. It all came together with that council because I felt like something needed to be happening and I felt like we needed to execute something, but I didn't know what it was. And I really feel like it's been great for those youth that have been involved. Our youth committee have taken it and have run with it and they're doing a great job and it's been fun to watch them lead. We're right in there with the young women's presidents trying to train our youth to lead out and be able to take things. And so this was an awesome opportunity for them to be able to do that. Wow, that's great. And and I love just this concept of, because I think intellectually, a lot of people have heard stories about it or understand it, but just to give yourself permission to table an item uh, right. you know, in a in a discussion where sometimes you can feel the pressure of, man, we've been meeting for two hours. Let's make a decision. Right. right? And it can really shorten a meeting because you don't feel that pressure. Like we got to make a decision. Right. Right. And so don't hesitate to just table it and say, you know, let's, let's pray on this more, come back to it. I know it sounds, it feels maybe more urgent, but let's just come back to it. And uh, and it's amazing that how the spirit can really work with that. Right. And I found that we do that a lot. That mm-hmm. If we're not getting a decision after everybody has discussed how they felt, usually I 
I stop our discussion and say, all right, well, it looks like we need to pray about this. I think that we're going to get there, obviously, but let's pray about this and figure it out because there's something that we're going to be doing. Yeah. I don't know what that is, yeah. but it, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And and you're right. I love the word table it because that's what we do. Yeah. We table it sometimes and we we take a minute to pray and sometimes fast about it. It depends on what the situation is. Yeah, but, yeah for sure. Yeah. Uh, anything else as far as trusting counselors that uh, that you've learned? You know, I just have really appreciated my counselors. I think they're fabulous. And I think that when we trust in our leaders and help them to have a voice, I I think we're as strong as we allow ourselves to be. You know, when we, the, the Lord gave us the counsel for a reason. I heard a story and I hate doing this because I don't have who it's from, <laughs> but I heard a story about the general authorities in their meeting and they were trying to make a decision and one person wasn't totally on board with whatever the decision was. And the prophet at the time said, I know that so-and-so isn't feeling this direction. And so I think that we need to table this discussion until we're ready. And and until not that that person needed to change his mind, but maybe there was a different avenue and I think that's kind of where we try to go in our presidency is yeah. maybe we just don't have the avenue yet. Maybe it's just not quite right. And I think that was the case with this whole scenario. We felt like we needed to do something, but it didn't feel right until we were like, and it seems like a no brainer saying it, aha, let's use our youth. Right. That seems so <laughs> like that's what we're supposed to be doing. Uh-huh. That's what we're training our leaders to do. Use your class presidencies, Right. That's what we're telling them to do. And so I don't know why it was so difficult to get to that point, but yeah. it's amazing how difficult we make these things at times. Right? You know, <laughs> we're just mortals <laughs> doing our best here. And right. I know that story. I actually have it on my phone uh, reference to it. So I'll put it in the show notes so people can can do it. Cause I do I do remember it's a great story and there's a lot to learn learn from it as well. So well, this has been fantastic. Some I mean, there's some some pearls in this uh, conversation oh, here. I mean, Marco Polo, just that. Invite Brother Polo into your into your presence. So he'll, he'll help you out. Um, last question I have, Gary, is as you reflect back on your time serving as a young women's a stake young women's president and just with the youth in general, how has being a leader made you a better follower of Jesus Christ? In every time that we have the opportunity to lead, we become a disciple as we serve and we love. I mean every single calling that I've ever had, regardless of what that is, my whole goal has been to love. And as we love, we become more like our Savior. It's our process of becoming. How great is it that we have these opportunities to be in a calling, regardless of what the calling is? It doesn't matter if you're in my calling or any other calling. Any calling that you're in, you get this opportunity to love. And that opportunity in and of itself makes us better and helps us to become and helps us to become what he wants us to be. Today I'm in uh, Provo, Utah with Rochelle Sorensen. How are you? Doing great. How are you? Very good. Now uh, you are, I mean, this is a beautiful part of Provo. Yeah, we really like it a lot. Yeah. You've been here a while? Nine years. Born and raised in Provo or? No, I'm an army brat. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. So I grew up kind of all over. And then um, my dad got out, uh, took an early retirement when I was in high school. So I went to high school, Springville 
high school and then went to BYU and married a Utah man. So here nice. we are. <laughs> and here you are. Nice. And um, where was your favorite place to to live when you were traveling? Germany. Around? Germany? Definitely Germany. Yeah. I was what? born there and then I lived there again when I was 10, 11, and 12. Really? So, yeah. Very it's cool. a ton of fun. We traveled a lot while we were there. That's awesome. And uh, right now you're serving as the the first counselor in the stake young women's presidency yep, and have also right. had an opportunity to be a, a ward young women's president. Mm-hmm. Did you move from ward right. to stake? Yeah. Uh, no, I was, it's been a few years since I was okay. ward. You got a break. And, uh, I had a right. break. I've been in primary a lot and nice. then uh, got called back into nice. being the Have women's. you been in youth callings a lot in your adult life? Uh, yeah, youth and primary. Yeah. So I've never had an adult calling. An adult. <laughs> Well, just maybe. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> cool. Um, and w- w- I mean, I, I, you seem like the person we've chatted uh, outside of this interview. And, uh, you're pretty passionate about youth and and that demographic. What what I draws am. you to that demographic? I love teenagers. Love, yeah. love, love teenagers. I love the way that they think about things. I love the way I love watching them learn new things and create new things. I love seeing the people that they're going to become. I love how they think outside the box. Sometimes as adults, we think things are a certain way and should be a certain way. And we get uh-huh. kind of caught up in the way that we think things should be. And then you get a teenager in there and they come up with a whole other idea that you didn't even think about. So I yeah. just love that about teenagers. That's cool. Awesome. And um, wh- how would you describe the dy- the dynamics or the demographics of this area in pro as, as it relates to your calling right now? So our ward only has, I think, six young women. Oh, wow. So we're pretty small. We have an older folks community and some apartments. Oh, okay. But our stake in general, there's some other wards that have 20 or 30 girls. So we're not super big youth-wise. Um, we do have yet more young men than we have young women. We have, I think, about 15 young men. But it's pretty small. But okay. um, they're really close. Like, I think that they like it to some degree. There's no yeah. clicks. And they tend to get along pretty well. Well, that's good. That's encouraging. So, yeah. Um, and as we do in these How I Lead episodes is I had you ponder over some leadership principles that you sort of rely on and have defaulted to and learned over the years. And so we'll jump into that. And the first one, I mean, this is like my favorite principle, create a vision. <laughs> yes. And and this my is favorite. This is tough because, you know, we all, yeah, we, we need to create a vision, but the, the application of it is sometimes tricky. So yes. educate us on, yes. here on creating a vision. So for me, um, I was just been reading about Captain Moroni. And we're a little bit of ahead in our family reading because we read a chapter a night. And so we've just ended up a little bit ahead of Come Follow Me. But we were just talking about the title of Liberty. And I was just thinking about those people and how they had war on the outside and the Malachi on the inside. And what does Nephi do? I mean, not sorry, Captain Moroni do. He gets this standard of liberty Mm -hmm. and he puts it up on all of their buildings and for our wives and our children and our country. And I just think the difference that made for those people to remember their vision. Why were they doing what they were doing? Why were they fighting the wars? Why were they, why did they not want a king? Why, you know, all of those sort of things. And um, I just think when I look at our youth today, a lot of them just don't have a vision. They Mm -hmm. don't know what their purpose is. They don't know what they're trying to do. There's, they have the internet and they have social media and they have so many friends and all of these connections that are telling them what their identity is and who they are. And sometimes they forget that they're children of God. And so as we, as I see the Young Women's Program, you know, the church always puts out a great like theme for the year, mm-hmm. but it takes leaders to turn a theme into a vision. That's right? interesting. Because we, so we sometimes you have, just go say, go and do. Yeah. Okay, great. Yay. Let's go uh-huh. and do. But that's not exactly a vision because they don't know how to turn that go and do into a vision. Yeah. And then I also think, you know, my kids don't know what is the fourfold vision of the church? You know, uh-huh. what is the point of the youth program? You know, what are they trying to do? And 
And so as I talk to them about that, sometimes you can see their eyes just light up. And that's my favorite part about working with teenagers is just seeing them catch that vision of, I'm important. I matter. I have an identity. I have a purpose on this earth that Heavenly Father has put me here. And so it's fun to help them sort of catch that vision. Yeah. And, and that's interesting because we, we sometimes think, and, I, and I've gotten this question several times, that, well, the church has given us a vision. We have a mission statement. Like, yes. it's just right there. But there's an extra no. step you need yes. to take because, yes. and, you know, I can't imagine working on some of these general levels where mm-hmm. you have an international church. Like, oh, how know. do you create a vision? Or, and, yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, and it's going to look different. So there's that extra mm-hmm. step or two yeah. that the local leadership mm-hmm. needs to take and say, okay, this, that's a theme. Yeah. From that theme, that's where the theme. can we go? Right? Where can we go? What's the vision? Because to me, a theme is like, it's a theme, it's words, it's a thought to some degree, it's a scripture, yeah. it's whatever, but it takes leadership to turn that into emotion and into action and an empowerment and an inspiration. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what us leaders on the stake level and on the ward level, I feel like is our responsibility to help these teens and these youth catch that vision of how they matter and, and what's important, what their strengths are. Yeah, I was reading in um, Ether 2 the other day about um, if we humble ourselves, that the Lord will turn our strengths into weaknesses. And in um, the book, Now Discover Your Strengths, Marcus Buckingham explains that our strengths clamor for attention in the most basic way. Using them makes you feel strong. Mm. So when we use our strengths, we feel strong and weaknesses drain our energy and our strengths give us energy. And so I was just thinking about that in that scripture, that when we are using our strengths, we maybe don't need the Lord as much, right? We feel strong. We feel excited. We feel passionate. But when our weaknesses come, they drain us. And so as we lean on the Lord and we lean on his energy and his strength and his excitement and his passion, that turns those weaknesses into strengths so that we're not drained, so that we have the energy to do the Lord's work. So I was thinking about that with teenagers. You know, I feel like when teens feel strong, when they feel confident, they do lead, they step up, they have a voice, they speak up in meetings, they, you know, they feel more confident. Mm -hmm. But when they feel weak, they step back. They're quiet. They get nervous about their peers. That's a big thing with teens and not wanting to kind of stick out too much. And so a lot of young women leaders mention struggling with getting their girls to speak up and to lead. And I'm like, well, we need to know what their skills are. We need to know what their strengths are and what are their weaknesses? Because if they're not leading, they don't have the skills that they need. They don't have the vision that they need. They don't feel confident enough to speak out. And so that's when we can say, hey, do you feel weak? Do you feel like this is draining you? How can the Lord help you? How can I help you? How can the spirit fill you so that you feel strong enough to complete your work? Yeah. And that's interesting how you link that the vision to the strengths. Like that's mm-hmm. maybe where to look first, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do you go about like yeah. developing or finding the strengths of the youth in, mm-hmm. in your unit? Yeah. Some of it is just kind of keeping an eye on it, you know, Uh and just kind of seeing what types of things are they interested in? What types of things light them up? When you talk to them, like my daughter loves music and art. She's very creative. She loves um, to create things and and be involved. She's very emotionally connected with people. So those are some of her strengths. And so if you asked her to, you know, make a poster or write a card or whatever, she'd feel very confident doing that. Um, You can also just watch for ways that they, who do they serve? Who do they how do they talk to people? How do they interact? There's also a really good, I don't know if you've taken it. There's a really fun strengths quiz on viacharacter.org, V-I-A character.org. And it has 24 strengths. And you take this quiz and it lists them to what your strengths are. And so I've taken it with my tween and my teen and myself. And it lists kind of what your top character strengths are. Might be something fun for yeah. youth to take. And then you would know in your ward, if you had their results, kind of what some of their strengths were. And so as a leader, you can help them really capitalize on those strengths. And then you can look like my daughter's 
24th is honesty. <laughs> she oh, really? sneaks treats and sneaks screens. And, you know, so we just laughed and laughed about that. Uh-huh. And, um, and so that's an area where she might feel like I need to support her a little bit more, you know, yeah. so you can kind of look at the list of 24 and know where you can kind of help them develop and also where you might need to, um, help them more as a leader. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. And I love that just a simple act. Activity because we sometimes yes we overthink it sometimes yeah or yeah, we yeah. we feel like we need to be needs to yes. be super entertaining and yes. also helpful or whatever yes. you know but just to go through activity hey we're gonna find yeah. out what we're your gonna strengths do this little are. quiz and when yeah. I was taking it my daughter was looking over my shoulder and they have one for adults and one for children and youth oh cool. so that makes it a little bit easier and she's like are you done yet are you done yet I want to take it are you done yet are you uh-huh. done yet and so she was really excited to see what her strengths are they're hungry for vision they're hungry for yeah. inspiration. Yeah. I love the, um, my personal mission statement is just inspire and it means to breathe life into. Mm-hmm. So how can we breathe life into these teenagers and help them catch the vision of the church? That's awesome. And, um, what was I going to say? Just the, oh, the, the concept that youth, they, you know, it's not, you know, I've recently been the preschool advisor and you sort of look at the youth and there's, they're naturally disengaged at uh-huh. times. Right. And you yeah. think like, oh, like mm-hmm. how do I pull this out of them? Yes. Right. But as you take these steps, you find out they're actually quite interested in yeah. finding their strengths and, mm-hmm. and creating a vision and doing these things, right? Yeah, they yeah. are. And sometimes you just have to find um, what are they interested in and connect on that level. Is it video games? Is it arcade games? But sometimes we judge and we think, they're going to be living in my basement forever because my <laughs> teen is just on screens. And you know, if I don't set boundaries and blah, 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 we put all this pressure on ourselves as parents as well as on leaders. And sometimes it's a matter of like, I feel like they already have so much pressure that to just not worry. We fortune tell. And we say, if you don't do this now, if you don't gain a testimony, if you move out, if you do this, and then that makes us nervous and anxious. And then they feel like failures, like they haven't accomplished anything. When in reality, their brains don't fully develop until their twenties. And so telling what our 16 year old is going to become in their twenties, is not super effective. And so it's kind of meeting them where they are and and helping them figure out what they're passionate about. I also have this list of 231 talents that's in, in my Facebook group. And, um, Kids love to look through that because we tend to think we play the piano, we make bread, you know, these like certain uh-huh. talents that we have. And there's 230 on that list. And so it's fun for them to look through and circle the ones that they feel like they, they're uh, interested in. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. And then talents is sort of just a different way to look at strengths. Yeah. Um, it's just how those yeah, strengths are manifested. Right? Exactly. How they're manifested. Yeah. Um, and okay. I appreciate the concept where you know, in order to create a vision, it sounds like, you know, it takes some time to get to know those that you're, that are in your young women's Mm -hmm. group or whatever, where it sort of feels like, okay, let's see, I'm as a leader, I'm supposed to create vision. So day one, we're trying to create a vision, but you don't even know the strengths Mm -mm. that are in the room. Right. So it could take time to. And I know my daughter, we were talking about leading and she's like, um, you know, they just look at us and expect us to come up with activities and we don't, they're better at coming activities than we are. You know, we don't know. We haven't experienced that. And so I think sometimes leaders think leadership means, well, you plan the activities and you do this and you whatever. And like, especially 12 and 13 year olds, like that part of their brain is nowhere near developed mm. for them. To, some, some of them are better than others, but it's hard for them to think through and create a plan like that. And so then they feel like a failure, like they don't know how to lead. And the, the leaders are expecting all these things of them and they don't, they don't know. And so it's really a matter of coming up with helping them lead in maybe quieter ways or in ways that, you know, if they need help coming up with activities, that doesn't mean they're not leading. I mean, yeah, you want to know what they're passionate about to help them. You can ask really good questions to help them come up with things, but it's going to be hard for them sometimes. What do you want to do on Wednesday? (laughs) I don't know. Right. And then they feel like they're not quote unquote leading and 
leading isn't coming up with activities. Yeah. And, and that's he, just part of it. And it can be frustrating for them. Then they go yes. home and think, oh, then they I, go don't home. Wanna, I don't want to engage in that. I don't want to do yeah. this. It's too much pressure. And yeah. teens are stressed, especially older teens. They get into high school and AP classes and all these things. And and so I would love us to find ways for our youth to lead, um, but not feel like it's so heavy. Yeah. You know, I don't want them to leave thinking the church asks too much of me. And as soon as they're out of the youth program, right? Isn't then it's like, true, yeah. I'm free. You know, yeah. I don't have to come up with activities everyone's or, you know, whatever. And so it's just kind of a matter of getting to know them and, and figuring out their strengths and then um, giving them opportunities to, yeah, come up with activities, but more, how can we serve? How can we minister? Mm-hmm. Who are you interested in? What are you interested in? You know, what, um, Types of things are you good at? How can we? How can the youth program help you become the person that God wants you to be? Yeah, and, and that that is really the dilemma. Going back to the leader dynamic is, you know, we want to be the we don't we don't want to be the leader that right. takes over and does right. everything. And we right. know we've been encouraged to, yes, to you know turn it to the youth, but then we turn it to the youth and it's like they just stare at you, right? Yeah. Or they, yeah. I don't know what they want. You I know, know. I you know. get these things, so you think, well, I guess I should take well, it back, mm-hmm. and then you feel bad for taking it back, and yeah. And so there's a sort of a balance there, right? There is. To, to yeah. make sure that they still feel mm-hmm. um, autonomy, and they still feel like they're leading, but yeah. don't dump too much on them where yeah. they're overwhelmed with it. Well, and I think too, just starting to teach them the skills of leadership and what, what does it mean to be a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, at our elementary school, we did this. Whole, we do this whole sixth grade leadership seminar that we've put together the last couple of years, and these kids love it because they move into junior high, and it's like, do you want to be a leader? And they're like. I don't even know what a leader is. I don't even know what that means. And so we talk about how leaders listen, how they set an example, how they're organized, how they, we talk about the victim mentality. We just talk about seven or eight different types of leadership and they watch videos. We tell them about Gandhi and all these leaders. And those are the things they remember. They love like the videos and the leaders and learning about these different people. And what are these, these topics of leadership? And all of a sudden they realize I can be a leader right now. I can yeah. be a leader in my house. I can be a leader. So we always ask at the beginning, who had a chance to be a leader? And we throw out candy to them and they get super excited about it, you know? And and so suddenly they start to realize leadership isn't just like running a meeting. You know, it's yeah. not just coming up with activities. It's all of these other things. Yeah, too. interesting. Uh, anything else as far as in the world of creating a vision? No, I think that's probably pretty good. That's a good summary (laughs) of this. So uh, remembering purpose, which is somewhat related to vision, It goes into vision. Like we just had a a stake meeting and we were talking about whether we were going to do Trek or whether we were going to do a river trip because the river trip this year got canceled because Uh of coronavirus. And so we were kind of going back and forth and some people were pro Trek and some people are pro river trip. And and all of a sudden we kind of stopped and we're like, what is the purpose of Trek? Like what would be the purpose of, of the river trip? And we kind of ran out of time. And so we're going to talk about it a little bit more about later, but I think sometimes we get so busy focusing on activities that we forget the purpose behind them. What are we trying to do? What's, mm. what's, how does it tie into our vision? When I was activity days leader, every one of our activities, I tied into a woman in the scriptures or a famous woman. And so we talked about the woman at the well and we visited the water conservatory and I, oh, they wow. all had like a grinder and I'd print out information about the woman. I made little tags that I will be courageous like Ruth. I will be, you know, whatever about these uh-huh. women. And so we tied all of them into these women. And I thought they'd be bored. I thought when, you know, they'd come to the activity and groan about the page, about the woman. And every week they bounced. And what woman are we learning about today? What woman are we learning about today? Oh, cool. And so I think that as we kind of help them catch that, like I said, that vision, that purpose, that we're not just having activities, we're learning skills. We're learning, we like tie-dyed shirts and talked about Lydia, the seller of purple and, you know, kind of all these different people. And it, um, it made it come alive to them. So we weren't just meeting just to cook. We were taking cookies like Ruth to, 
you know, somebody else in service. Yeah. And and I think the default purpose is always like, well, we just want to have fun. Yeah. And if, yeah. The, if the girls have fun at church, mm-hmm. then maybe they'll want to come to church, yes. right? Yes. But uh, there's maybe a deeper purpose that we can find and, and they'll still have fun yeah. and, and yeah. find a deeper purpose. And I think they hunger for that. You know, I think sometimes fun is a little key phrase that we tend to throw out because uh-huh. we think they just want fun. And they do, you know, especially with the internet and stuff, they're used to being entertained. Yeah. But I also think that they do hunger to have a purpose. They hunger to be Needed. They hunger to learn things and to grow and to become the people we all do. That's the purpose of growing up. And so it's a matter of, ba- you know, balancing those things of like, you know, what's purposeful and what's vision w- with skills and the reason that they, they want well, to know why teenagers, they, it's almost like they're three again. Why, yeah. why are we doing that? Why? And so it's to take the time as leaders to really help them know the why, why we're doing it. And um, it takes time and, and all teenagers are different. You have to get to know them like we talked about, but um, I do think having a purpose really does help direct their interest yeah. as well. And um, are there times where it's it's sort of um, like you feel like you're pers- pushing the purpose or like it's hard to really land on a, a yeah. purpose you can get behind, so yeah. you, but you got to do something? Yeah. And sometimes... Sometimes the purpose can just be having fun, right? Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't always have to be this this deep dark yeah. purpose, especially with the youth, but I think as leaders we should talk about it a lot more than we do. You know, as we're just at a stake level, an award level, you know, what is the purpose because um a purpose is what drives you and a, and a vision that's what gives you energy and motivates you. And if you don't have one, it turns into drudgery where it's like, oh, we got to have another, we're going to play basketball again and but what's the purpose behind basketball, right? Even if it's basketball, what are you trying to do with basketball? There physical, they're learning competitiveness, they're learning how to get along, you know, so yeah. there's purpose behind activities that make them feel um, more exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. Anything else with uh, remembering purpose that uh, nope, we need to delve just, into? When you plan your stuff and start thinking about things, just remember why. Yeah, yeah. Um, communicate. This is yeah, a big leadership one, principle. Yes. yes. Tell us about that. So this is one that I think I, I've seen at least women struggle with a little bit more. Um, when I was young women's president, they ended up um, combining the three wards because we didn't have enough girls. Mm. And um, like on the youth, or, um, on the youth, youth level. level uh-huh. yeah. But they didn't put anyone in charge. So there was oh, really? three young women's presidents, three first counselors and three second counselors. In and different they didn't wards. call different wards. Uh-huh. The communication was exhausting. And no one, women, t- we tend to like things to be kind of the same. You know, uh-huh. we don't always like to take over or be bossy, you know, something uh-huh. like that. And so- it was really communicating. And I, and I talked to our leaders. I'm like, you've got to call one of the young women's presidents to be in charge and you can switch it out. And the minute that we did that, it made a massive difference because you know, who's in charge and you know, who's kind of calling the shots. And then we were able to figure out you're in charge of the newsletter. You're in charge, you know, then we could communicate more clearly. And so it's kind of a matter of, you know, sitting down and, you know, what is your job? And even with our youth, like, what does the president do? What does the first counselor do? What does the second counselor do? My dad um, teaches leadership all over the world. One of the things he likes to say is like, who does what by when and who follows up? Mm. So he's like, every meeting should end with who does what by when and who's going to follow up Uh to help these kids learn to delegate and to communicate and to ask questions. And if you say who's going to do this, it's going to be crickets. Like you have one kid that's really loud that, you know, volunteers for everything. But if you say, hey, I'm depending on you, Sarah. I really need you to help me do this. This is one of your strengths. I really appreciate this about you. I think you do a really good job. How do you feel about this assignment? Or, and then to help them learn to do that. They need the language. They need the skills. They need to know how to delegate. They need to know how to delegate to adults. 
like, that's a tricky thing for a teenager to do is to say, hey, adult, will you, you know, like, will you yeah. do this? And so we really have to practice those skills with them about how to communicate. What happens if they say no? What happens if they say yes? Is it easier to communicate over text? Do you prefer to communicate over the phone? How do you make a phone call? A lot of these teens, they don't call on the phone. And yeah. so they get nervous when their leader says, will you call your people and ask them about their favorite talk of conference? That they that can be really nerve wracking for them because yeah. they just don't even know what if the parent answers. It's the parent's phone. You know, so yeah. there's just skills like that that we assume they start to look like adults, but teenagers don't always have those skills. And yeah. They need it, to learn how to communicate and how to listen. You know, I go back to this uh, leadership principle a lot as far as that we often mistake a, a, an ability problem for a motivational problem. Yes. Right. And yes. especially with youth, if you yes. don't take them through practice or mm-hmm. recognize the skill set there, this is, just, mm-hmm. you know, you, you want them, for example, to delegate to an adult, but yeah. they may not even know how to do that. And so you have to go through the process. This is what, what that looks delegating like. delegating mean? Like, yeah. You know, what is yeah. that? We bruise these words. Let's counsel together. And it yeah. seems obvious and they kind of know what that is, but it's like, how is that different from listening? Uh-huh. When we say minister, how is that different from service? You know, mm-hmm. what do these different things mean? We think, we think even motivation is a simple thing, but there's a lot of skills required to self-motivate, yeah. right? And so sometimes we just give things to their teens and then we think they're lazy when they don't do it. But like you said, they just don't have the ability or they don't have the ability to self-motivate. They need, and so it's hard because you don't want to micromanage, but mm-hmm. um, I think sometimes too, we're like, here you go, lead. And they don't really have the skills they need to really lead the way that we're hoping they will. And sometimes we also have an expectation of how they'll lead. Like why they're going to do this. And leadership is in a lot of different forms. There's a lot of different types of leaders in the church. And I've learned to respect and understand all of them. I'm definitely more of a loud leader, but there's a lot of examples in my life of quiet Christ-like leadership that um, I think we start to panic and fortune tell, you know, about our youth leaders. And really they're just figuring out who they are and, and what type of leader they are. And we can encourage all different types of leadership. Yeah. And, um, you know, in youth and, you know, now millennials or whatever, I, I think the millennials are aging out of the, the, yeah. uh, scapegoat role, but, <laughs> <I know>. uh, <laughs> it has to be somebody else. <laughs> but you know, they get a bad rap as far yeah. as they're, they're lazy or, or, mm-hmm. you know, you may have a teenager think, oh, mm-hmm. why doesn't he apply himself or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, there may be a lot of, uh, you know, desire there, but they yeah. don't have the skill set to do it. And so to really reflect on the that skill set and the confidence. Yeah. You know, and the vision and the purpose, the empowerment, uh, it takes a lot to learn those things. I mean, I see most grown adults, like it's been happening on our phone sometimes if we don't have like deadlines or, you know, things yeah. that are expected of us, it's easy to slide into, you know, buffering and, and some of those things that are emotions because it's hard work to constantly be motivating yourself. Yeah. And so some teens are better at it than others. And so it's just getting to know your girls and, and as well as also in the stake level, the other leaders that, you know, the different young women presidents and the ways that they lead so that you kind of know how to approach different things with them. Yeah. You mentioned uh, expectations in there. Any, any thoughts on how to, how to communicate expectations with youth or how to help them communicate their own expectations? Yeah. I found like the best way for me is um, it's really through questions. Like my, my teen um, and tween respond a lot better to questions than me lecturing them or telling them things. Same thing with youth, you know, of just like, you know, how would you um, envision this? It activates a different part of your brain. So it's like, if we were going to have this activity, let's just take that for example. What do you think would happen first? Who do you think would enjoy this activity? Who, what do you think the purpose of this activity is? What is the vision? And how do you think this is going to end? Because sometimes they have a hard time thinking from the beginning all the way till the end. And so sometimes it takes a little bit of effort and time on patience on a leader's part 
to think, what are your expectations? You know, what is an expectation? What does that mean? How will you feel? A lot of times teens don't rise to the occasion because they're terrified of how they will feel if they fail. They're worried about shame. They're worried about guilt. They don't know how to manage those difficult emotions. And so it's a matter of kind of helping them recognize to how to process emotion. And I think that's more probably on a home level, but I think there's probably some things that leaders can do as well. Mm -hmm. But to recognize when they shut down, they might be afraid. It might be fear. It might be anger. And, you know, there are these different emotions that teens have and they're so overwhelming. I mean, teens, it's like roller coasters from, you know, from (laughs) one minute to the next of what these emotions are. And just the last thing about emotions too, is I was thinking about how emotions relate with the spirit. And Uh I I remember as a teenager, I'm just not a crier. I, I don't, cry very often. And I would see people bearing their testimonies, right? Just like sobbing. And I'm like, I don't feel the spirit because I'm not crying. Uh Like, and so I think sometimes as leaders, we need to be careful to not use emotions necessarily as a way to sort of manipulate. Like I, there's things I like about Trek, but sometimes I see, well, let's, let's help them feel really sad about this river crossing. And then they're going to feel the spirit. Right. And that's not necessarily the way the spirit works. And so if all these other people feel like they're really sad about this and they're not, they might equate that with the spirit. Interesting. In reality, the spirit can communicate to us in so many different ways. Yeah. And so to kind of help them separate, yes, it can be emotional, but sometimes it's thoughts. Sometimes it's, you know, all these different ways that he speaks to us. And so you don't need to look at how other people are experiencing emotion. And we don't need to necessarily manipulate emotion, I guess, as leaders. If they leave the church, then they're like, well, I'm experiencing all the emotions without the spirit. So I I guess it doesn't really make that big of a difference. It wasn't there in the beginning. I was just sad because everyone else was crying, right? And so it's kind of starting to help them recognize what the spirit is and what emotion is and how to process emotion, um, not make assumptions, you know, about the certain emotions, you know, if you're fearful at all, you know, the spirit's gone. And I just see a lot of those things and I cringe of that you always feel peaceful, not necessarily. I mean, he doesn't send the gift of fear necessarily, but I think he uses fear. I, I, I don't know to protect us. It just kind of yeah, or, or even like he that, experiences all the emotions, that level kind of, of uncertainty that mm-hmm. he wants yeah. us to lean into yes. that a little bit. Yes. Right. So uh-huh. that, oh, well, there's a spirit there encouraging yeah. me on. Right. Doubt is not um, the opposite. You know, yeah. teenagers are supposed to doubt. Like they have to go through that in order to gain their own testimonies. And so the way we talk about faith crises with adults should be very, very different. I Mm -hmm. hate that word anyway, but then with a teenager, because then they start to wonder if the church is true and they think that they're betraying their family and their friends and, you know, whatever. And it's like, I told my daughter, I'm like, congratulations. Yay. You're growing (laughs) up, right? Like this is what you're supposed to do. And if you don't doubt, you can't ever experience faith, right? Like we have to experience all those emotions. Even the savior was angry. He you know, made a whip and like, right. it's, it's how you use that emotion to empower you and to, you know, yeah. act. It's not the presence or absence always of the spirit. Yeah. You know, that concept of emotional experiences is, is worth pondering, especially for youth leaders, because sometimes we do default to that as like, okay, yeah. we're going to formulate really this say, yes, emotional this, experience. This amazing emotional experience. Right. And it's not that that's bad, Right. right? But, but when that, but that's always that's our not, go-to. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, really, it's to connect them to God and to Christ and to their identity and their strengths and their weaknesses and whatever. And if they experience emotion, great. Like, that's awesome. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're feeling the spirit or, or not uh-huh. feeling the spirit. Yeah. And so I think it'd be great if we, it's back to that purpose and that vision yeah. of it's not necessarily to, to manipulate them so that they, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's good to have connection with the church, but make them think that they're failing, you know, if they're not crying because someone's singing the song and everyone else is crying and Uh they're camp and it's so emotional and that's the spirit. And it can be, but 
And it goes Not back, necessarily. It I'm goes, very logical, so I, I don't respond yeah, yeah. that way typically. It almost goes back to that you're saying about strengths and how that is, strengths uh, are very energizing, right? Yes. And we find even deeper strengths mm-hmm. uh, as we act in our strengths. And mm-hmm. and that's typically where the spirit will be also is yes. you give them opportunities to to mm-hmm. manifest their strengths, then they'll yes. find it however way, whether it's logical or emotional or uh, they'll, yep. they'll find the spirit in the way that it yes. needs to reach them. And that's what I found now I'm almost 40, you know, as I realized, okay, what are my strengths? And the Lord gives us strengths for a reason. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of books coming out now that focus on your strengths. Don't mm-hmm. worry as much about your weaknesses and focus on your strengths. And I, I agree with that, but I also think it's important to recognize your weaknesses and when you feel weak, because that's when you rely on the Lord. Yeah. And so it's kind of a matter of how do you use your strengths, but also trusting that the Lord has our back and he has the back of our teenagers and they do have weaknesses and they do have struggles. And as teenagers and just as, as people that you don't have to be afraid of your weaknesses, uh-huh. the Lord can help you if you're humble and if you're faithful, that he can give you the energy you need to act in those ways, but we don't have to obsess over them, right? And if I'm afraid of public speaking, now I need to take this public speaking course and you do this and I need to do this to get rid of that. Just trust that when you have to public speak, the Lord's got your back, you know, yeah. and he's going to help you do it, but focus on what you're good at. What is your like personal mission on uh-huh. this planet? What does the Lord put you here to do? Yeah. And I think if we can help our teenagers really start to understand that and connect with that while they're teenagers, then that will help them their lives. We've covered a lot of ground here. I know we did. Minutes, so, uh, <laughs> and anything else we're missing before we we wrap up? Uh, any principle or quote or? Just right. remember that teens are awesome. You know, from the time my daughter was born, it was like just wait till she's a teenager, right? <laughs> like just wait till the teenage years. Oh, you think potty training's hard? Just yeah, yeah. wait until they're out until midnight, and you're waiting home, and that's a mindset. And and you know, we can choose how we look at teens. We can choose how we think about teens. We can, um, and then because they'll pick up on that. And so as you go into Talk with teenagers, be like, look at Joseph Smith. You know, look what he did. Joseph is a teenager. The Lord used him. He used his development because he was questioning, because he was doubting, because he was open-minded. The adults, the ministers, they weren't even willing to consider this. When Joseph went to them, they mocked him. Mm -hmm. But he was young and he was impressionable and he was close to the spirit. And the Lord used that development, that stage of development to visit Joseph and to create this entire work. And the Lord sent these teens here now and so he, as leaders, we can help them recognize that vision of why teenagers are important and what the youth program does for teenagers and help them connect with adults. There's so much research about the importance of connecting with adults that aren't your parents. And I'm like, wow, hmm. the church set that up. Wow, yeah. good, good job, church, right? The more I learn <laughs> about all these things, the yeah. more I'm like, well, they do that in church. Oh, whoa, wow. They they do that in church too. Oh, yeah. 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 Church is, you know, got that too. And of course, it it's family yeah. first, but um, family can't provide adults that aren't parents, right? So yeah, there's yeah. some things that the church can provide that we can't do on our own. And so awesome. I think it's awesome as I learned awesome. about that. Any, I know you have various projects you're working on. Any that you want to mention to point people to, to, to learn about? So or? I do have a, a Facebook group called Raising Inspired Teens, and I'm creating a Joseph the Teen uh, workshop that I'm really excited about that oh, I'm cool. going to be putting out to talk about Joseph as a teenager, to hopefully empower and excite these teenagers to um look at examples of our history and just kind of catch that vision. And my company is also the Inspired Teen. So I have a website so, if anyone uh, wants to check it out. Okay. So to the website and then also to that uh-huh. Facebook group. And that's a good, uh-huh. good starting place. Awesome. Yeah. Well, the last question I have is that as you've had an opportunity to be a leader in the with youth, how has that mm-hmm. helped you become a better disciple of Jesus Christ? Awesome. That's a great question. I think one of the things that I 
really learned through leadership, like being Young Women's President just changed the way I viewed the church because I was working so closely in councils and um, just working with other people and just starting to recognize the different strengths that people have and then my own strengths. And then also just the realization of how much Heavenly Father loves all. He has a plan and a vision for each one of us that we each have a personal ministry. We have a connection to him. We have a connection to the spirit that as we lead, instead of judging each other, instead of thinking, oh, well, that person's really good at that. And that person's really good at that because teens tend to do that as well. I see my daughter do it um, to help them recognize, yeah, but you have your own strengths. You don't have to compete. You have your own goals. And so if you're different, that's great. And the Lord can use every one of us and every one of our strengths to further his work. That concludes my interview with Carrie Miller and Rochelle Sorensen. Thank you both for being willing to uh, step in front of a microphone and let me fire some questions out at you. There's no doubt that you have blessed the lives of other young women's presence out there or leaders in general who listen to this. And so I'm grateful that individuals like them are willing to allow me to interview them. Now, if you know of another leader, even outside of the, this calling of a dynamic leader who really has figured out some things that need to be shared, I would love to get in touch with them. So you can go to leadingsaints.org slash contact and submit the information, maybe give them a heads up and see if they'd be willing to do it. Uh, so they don't just get a cold email from me and that would, we'll start that conversation. One, I do have one interview with a public affairs individual. It's actually a couple who worked in public affairs together. And so I'm looking for another public affairs person, just a stellar individual that we could add to uh, the pair of that episode. And so go to leadingsaints.org slash contact if you know a stellar public affairs person or uh, any other leadership calling that's out there. I'd love to create, you know, we're going to keep doing these month to month. And uh, so we always need connections to awesome leaders. And remember, text the word LEAD to 474747 to gain access to remarkable interviews in the Questioning Saints Library so that you are better prepared to minister to those who've begun to question their faith. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.